Blog Talk Radio. Considering it's a throwback Thursday, let's start it off a little old school here on Corey Digital. Will the Knicks make a trade at the deadline? Will the Mets be better than last year? Do the Yankees keep their health intact? Can the locals make some noise in their respective tournaments this weekend? Are you ready for the show? Because I know I am. The 209 Podcast is live right now. production here on this Thursday morning, February 20th, 2014. I'm John Corey. Welcome back to the show. Apologize for last Friday, some technical difficulties in the blog talk end, which is something if you ever listened or hosted a show on this particular site, you kind of unfortunately get used to. But we're back. We're live. We're better than ever. Show number three of the 209 Podcast Experience. A lot to get into this morning, a lot on the pro end, a lot on the scholastic end. Trade deadline, the NBA, will the Knicks be able to make a move after the Shepard trade? Mets and Yankees, full squads are in camp. Derek Jeter's final year. We'll see what's going on at the respective camps. USA Hockey, tomorrow morning, Olympic semifinals against Canada. John Tavares injures himself at the Olympics, he's out for the year. Does that change your stance on pros playing in the Olympics? All that and much more. Number to call in, 347-850-8572. That's 347-850-8572. Brand new Twitter account for the 209 Podcast. Simply put, at the 209 Podcast on Twitter. As always, you can search Corey Digital. On Facebook, tinyurl.com slash Digital. if you want to connect via Facebook. Social media is up and running. Phone lines are open. Let's start the show, school teams, and their playoff and tournament perspective for the weekend. And we'll start with Delaware Valley Wrestling. I know it's weird on a show. You kind of get used to it after a while. But it's weird on a show like this to kind of go back and forth. That's the idea of the show. So bear with me as we work the kinks out. But we're going to start with Delaware Valley Wrestling. I was at the tournament over the weekend up in Wall and Paul Pack. Um, I would say a very good showing for the Warrior Wrestling team. Got a couple championships. They got a bunch of second places. I'll go through them in a second. 
But this weekend marks the District 2 tournament. That's going to be at the Kingston Armory. And the seedings came out this morning. We'll get to that in one second. To review last weekend quickly, here were the winners for, for DV Wrestling. Frankie Carroza finished first in, in his respective tournament. Uh, he pretty much just dominated all weekend. Um, did a fantastic job. And, you know, listen, I'm not the biggest wrestling guy. You know, I, I'm I, I'm not going to sit here and <laughs> be able to tell you about X, Y, or Z. I'm not going to be able to tell you about points for takedowns. I can only tell you what my eyes see. And, and what my eyes saw really was a weekend of just tremendous wrestling by the Warriors. And, and, you know, I tried to get a guest on the show this morning. That completely backfired. (laughs) That that did not go well at all. But, you know, the Warrior wrestling team did fantastic last weekend. You know, Matt Wagner, first place. Erwin, first place. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but uh, Di Virgilio, second place. Kyle Stahl, which, you know, if you're familiar with me, um, a very important part of our lives here, finished in second place, had a wonderful tournament. Jalen Palmer, who is... The favorite at 132 wrestled probably the match of the tournament. And he got pinned in overtime. It it was a little shocking to see. But I have a feeling he's going to bounce out big this weekend. Uh, We'll get to that in a minute. And then Pern and Duncan finished third place each for DB Wrestling. This weekend, the seedings came out. Uh, this morning, actually, for the District 2 tournament. Now, I'll get to them in a second. Let's see. Here we go. As I pull up real quick, bear with me. Here are the seedings for each respective weight class for the Delaware Valley Warriors. At 106, George Berkowitz, 4-11 and on the year. Unseated, he'll go against four-seed Brett Irwin. At 113, Dom DeVigirio, now I'm going to keep butchering his name, gets an eight-seed based off his performance over the past weekend. He will actually face unseated Luke Feyakavitz of Abington Heights, 6-16 and on the year. Friday night at 113. At 120, this is where DV starts picking up some, some important seedings. PJ Testino, who did not wrestle over the past weekend, he's been a little banged up. He gets a bye to start things off on Friday. He'll hope to make a nice run in the tourney. At 126, Kyle Stoll gets up to a sixth seed. He was the sixth seed over the weekend at the Lackawanna County Tournament. So for him to jump up to a sixth seed in districts 
is a pretty cool thing. He's 11-16 on the year. He has a bye on Friday also. At 132, Jalen Palmer gets the two seed. Gets the two seed and a bye. Looking to get his fourth straight district championship. The gentleman that he lost to at Lackawanna County over the weekend, Chase Gallick of Juan Paul Pack, who's 32-2 and on the year, gets the three seed. So Palmer gets the two seed based on reputation. Travis Roper, the one seed, 31-3. and 132 is a tremendously difficult weight class. Not to mention, you have the four seed, Bill Manley from Tuckahannock, who's 31-5, and five, that alone might be the weight class to watch in the tournament. At 138, Frankie Carroza, the one seed from DV, 33-5 on the year. He'll face unseeded Keith Lowry from Hazleton in his first matchup. At 145, Sean Jones, the sophomore from Delaware Valley, gets the eighth seed. He gets a bye through the preliminaries at 152. Billy Pern coming off his third place finish over the weekend. The junior from DV gets a three seed. He's 16 to 14 on the year. He gets a bye his first matchup at 160. At 160. If I can find it, we'll keep moving along here. There we go. Gabe Lakella, a sophomore from DB, has not wrestled much on the varsity level this year. He's unseated. He's 0-3 on the varsity level. He'll face number seven seed Tim Duncan from Honesdale. Interesting matchup there at 170. Colin Irwin coming off the Lackawanna League Championship. We'll face Jared Bernanski, 5-20 on the year, in his first matchup. Connor Martinez, 28-8 from Dallas, a senior, is the number one seed at 170. At 182, Chris Duncan coming off a nice weekend at Lackawanna County. 17-12 on the year. Gets unseeded Pat Barney, 0-20 on the year from Valley View. But this is the time of year where you cannot overlook anyone. At 195, number one seed from DV, Matt Wagner, the junior, 28-6. and six. He'll face Brett Daly in his first matchup from Honesdale. At 220, DV has, I believe, A.J. Seaver. Yes, unseeded A.J. Seaver will go against unseeded Justin McMillan from Honesdale, a winnable matchup for Seaver. And at 285... Thomas Lamb from DV, 10 and 15 on the year. He is the eighth seed at 285. He gets a bye. That's the rundown for this weekend. As Herman starts Friday night at the Kingston Armory, 5 p.m. Preliminary matchups and quarterfinals will be Friday night. The first and second round of the consolation matchups will be Friday night. And then 10 a.m. Saturday, heats back up with semifinals action and the and the consolation roundout action 3 p.m saturday the consolation finals and the tournament finals all live in the kingston armory 
And if you want to go check it out, I'm sure directions are on the DV website. It should be a, a good weekend of wrestling all around. We'll obviously update the results of that next week on the show. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that means there's going to be a show next week. Number to call in, 347-850-8572, 347-850-8572. Real quickly, I want to touch on the Delaware Valley boys basketball team. They get a four seed in the district tournament. They face Wall Paul Pack tonight at North Pocono High School at 6 p.m. if you want to check that game out. The winner of that game will face Hazleton area on Saturday at a location to be determined. With the Wyoming Valley West Scranton winner face Williamsport also Saturday at a time to be determined. Delaware Valley has really come on as of late, and, you know, they have two guys that can score, Shane Fowler and, and Joe Renaro. Fowler, 14.7 points a game. Renaro, 15.5 points a game. Can Delaware Valley make a run in the tournament? We will find out. Let's move on to the Port Jervis side of things. where Dan DiCarlo at the Section 9 Championships over the weekend won his third straight Section 9 Championship. Just did a tremendous job. He's been the rock, the rock of that Port Jervis wrestling team. And a big congratulations to Dan DiCarlo, all-around good athlete, and from what I hear, all-around good kid. Uh, Tanner Sexton, finished second in his weight class. Other kids that placed for DV, Dylan Booth won his match 4-3. to three. He won his second Section 9 championship. Joe Bach took fifth for Port Jervis. Alex Quick took sixth. Jason Butler, who is an eighth grader, wrestled at 106, took fifth. An all-around good weekend for the Port Jervis wrestling team. Port Jervis basketball heats back up as they played last night against Monticello. And really what it comes down to is this. Port Jervis is going to be in the Section 9 tournament. It's just a matter of they're going to be the 7, 8, or 9 seed. And the seeding meeting for that, I believe, is tonight, I was told. So Port Jervis could go one of two ways. They could get the 8 seed and play a quote-unquote playing game against the 9 seed at home to see who's going to play the 1 seed. Uh, also, what could happen if they lost last night, they could have got the ninth seed. If they won, they could have got the seventh seed, which I believe would have put them in the seventh spot.
I'm trying to find the scores from last night, but I mean it, it's uh, it, it's just impossible. That's what makes a show like this tough, guys, because oh, Port Jervis and Delaware Valley and their respective counties and their respective areas, you know, just doesn't. How can I say this? They're just not a well-publicized area. This is why a show like this is necessary. I can't even... This is unbelievable. I can't even get the information. (laughs) I mean, think about this a minute. I can't even get the information. I've been trying all morning. I cannot get the information to find out if Fort Jervis won a simple basketball game last night. This is the problem I have, and especially the problem I've had so far trying to cover things from Fort Jervis. To give you some perspective, I grew up in Fort Jervis. It should be easy for me. It should be much easier for me to find out Fort Jervis information than Delaware Valley information. It's been completely opposite. But I digress. You know what? Let's try this. Bear with me a second. Number to call in, 347-850-8572. 347-850-8572. Let's try a different website. site doesn't have anything. So I'll try to get that score for you. But basically, if Port Jervis won, they had a shot at a seventh seed, which would have put them against the two seed. And let's face it, once you get the sections, anything can happen. I think it would have been nice, even as an eight seed, for Port to get a home game and try to get some interest in the team. But the fact is they're going to be in. And they're going to have a chance to make some real noise, even though they're going to get either the two-seed or the one-seed. It's good that Port Jervis basketball can bounce back to have a playoff-type season. Uh, The girls' team at Port is done, so nothing to talk about there. And that's about it on the local front. You know, listen, I can sit here and talk about the wrestling team and talk about this and talk about that. But the bottom line is, I'm just not a wrestling guy, like I said before. I'm not going to tell you what two points for. Listen, if I see a takedown, I know what it looks like. I know what a point looks like. I can't describe what the move is. So I wouldn't embarrass myself by trying. I tried to get someone more um, knowledgeable than I am about it on the show. It's hard to do it at 10 a.m. on a Thursday morning. So we'll work the kinks out. We'll get you some guests. We'll get you some educated opinions and some educated explanations about all these sports moving forward. But that's the local roundup moving forward to playoff weekend in basketball, individual districts and PA wrestling, Section 9, Port Jervis wrestlers moving on to the state championship, all coming up very soon right here. I'm going to take a quick break. 
when I come back, we'll move over to the pro side of things and your calls, 347-850-8572. This is the 209 Podcast on blogtalkradio.com and mtrradio.com. The world of running a small business has changed, and traditional mediums used to communicate with your customers have become expensive and ineffective. You know you need a website, a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media sites, and the ability for customers to find you online, but you don't know where to start, and you have limited time. MTR Business has your solution. For about a dollar a day, MTR Business will create a unique new media marketing plan for your business. Also included is radio advertising that targets over 300,000 local listeners each month and website banner ads that we create and run for your business at no additional cost to you. Our team is led by professionals with MBAs and over 60 years of marketing experience that specialize in helping small businesses expand their footprint and grow. MTR Business is your partner for success. Call today for a free, no-obligation consultation. Mention this ad for an additional discount. Stay ahead of your competition and get more customers by calling us at 609-412-7235. Don't put it off any longer. Hey, don't trust your landscaping to just anybody with a mower. TNZ Landscaping offers a wealth of experience and expertise at the same prices as inexperienced landscapers. That's right, you got to check us out. TNZ Landscaping. That's TNZ as in zebra. Landscaping is the premier full-service landscaping company serving the Burlington County, New Jersey area for over 20 years. We have commercial and residential service, including full-service lawn care, landscape creation, tree service, and hardscaping. Hey, listen, it's that time of year now. The leaves are starting to come down. Don't break your back. Don't waste your Sunday afternoon outside raking leaves. Call TNZ Landscaping. They'll take care of it for you. TNZLandscaping.com. That's TNZLandscaping.com. Or call 609-332-5533. Hey, don't trust your landscaping to just anybody with a mower. TNZ Landscaping offers a wealth of experience and expertise at the same prices as inexperienced landscapers. Well, you can tell everybody, yeah, you can tell everybody, go ahead and tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man Yes I am, yes I am, yes I am I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man I believe every lie that I ever told Paid for every heart that I ever stole I played my cards and I didn't fall Well it ain't that hard when you got sold This is my world Somewhere I heard Back on the 2 and I podcast Lots more to get into the next hour or so. I'll take you all the way up to 11.30 this morning. A 90-minute podcast for your listening pleasure. And let me thank you, the audience. I'll have an announcement for you toward the end of the show. Um, those of you that are following me on social networks know what the announcement is already. But for those of you that don't follow and just listen, major announcement coming up toward the end of the program today. Again, I'll take you all the way up to 11.30 right here on Blog Talk Radio and MTR Radio. Probably wonder why I keep including MTR Radio. Well, that's part of the announcement later on. Moving on to the pro sports, Mets and Yankees get into camp. And if you listen to me host the show at all, you understand that I, as a Mets fan, give the Mets 
zero passes. I'm not the Mets fan that's going to make excuses. I'm the Mets fan that's going to wonder why these people are still in their position. One person in particular who I can't even believe still has a job in the Mets organization is the one and only Terry Collins. I'll circle back to where I think Terry Collins falls into everything as I make my point here. So one thing this Mets team has moving into March and moving through spring training is they have competition. If you heard me yesterday on the MTR morning throwdown, you would have heard what I said to Mike Sanfilippo, and it's real simple. The Mets have the one thing that you hope that a team that you pray is up and coming have. They have competition. They have multiple outfielders for multiple spots. They have a lot of jam in the infield. They have pitching spots to be taken. Bullpen is going to be nothing but competition. If nothing else going into this year works, you at least have that. If you don't have expectations on where the team can go, you at least have in your back pocket that the guys on the field will have competed to be on that field. Does that mean that the Mets are going to win 95 games? Absolutely not. Does that mean that the Mets are going to be a successful team this season? (laughs) Absolutely not. Does that mean that the pieces that are in place opening day are going to be the pieces at the end of the year? You guys know better than that. If you watch sports, you know the lineup on opening day is never the lineup, even at the all-star break, let alone at the end of the year. The problem I have with the Mets, guy picking the pieces that be on the field is Terry Collins. Terry Collins has shown the last couple of years Matter of fact, through his entire 10 years Mets manager, that he does not have a good feel for the players on his baseball team. And people have challenged when I've said that in the past. Uh, what do you mean feel for the team? Uh, he has a feel for the team, blah, blah, Listen, in order to be a successful manager, and even in business, to be a successful supervisor, to be a successful boss, or in sports, to be a successful coach, manager, GM, whatever the case may be, you have to have a good feel on your environment. Part of having that feel is having the feel of the players on your team. Terry Collins has not had a good feel for the players on his team throughout this entire process. Not to mention his strategy Thanks. His strategy might be the worst strategy I've seen in a Mets manager in a long time. And the Mets had Jerry Manuel as a manager. If you remember the, the short Jerry Manuel tenure, Jerry Manuel could mess up a T-ball lineup. That's how bad of a manager he was. So if I'm thinking that Terry Collins... <laughs> has strategy like Jerry Manuel 
that shows you what I think of Terry Collins. I think if you put Jerry Manuel and Terry Collins in charge of a t-ball team, they would scratch their head for 30 minutes. I truly believe that. I'm no Terry Collins fan. I am for sure not a Terry Collins supporter. I for sure beg and plead that anybody else gets put to lead that team. I don't care if it's Wally Backman, which I don't subscribe to the theory that Wally Backman needed to be the Mets manager because he played on the team in 1986. In that case, go see what other players on that team's doing. Go see if Jesse Orozco has a coconut in his hand, and if he wants to put it down to go manage the Mets. Go see if Lenny Dykstra can get out of work release and coach the Mets. If all you need to be is the guy that played on the 86 team to become the manager, then please go see if Doc and Daryl want to take over the reins. Imagine that for a minute. My goodness. This idea from Mets fans over the last couple of years that Wally Backman needs to be the manager is ridiculous. The guy that's right for the position should be the manager. My beef is, I don't think Terry Collins is that guy. I don't think Terry Collins is proven to be that guy. And that's what bothers me the most. You want to talk to me about giving a guy a chance? Okay, I'll buy into that. I'll give a guy a chance. I'll give anybody a chance. We've given Terry Collins years of chances. Of course, he hasn't had the team around him to win. If you notice, the word winning just came out of my mouth. When I look at Terry Collins and I judge what he's done the last couple of years, the word winning does not come into play. I have not seen a progression of the younger ball players on the team like we were promised would happen when Terry Collins was given the job. I have not seen a good use of the pitching staff, which is something that we told that we were told that Terry Collins would be good for when he got the job. We have not seen Terry Collins, who was allegedly this big disciplinarian in his other stops, come into the Mets, and he has not done that. He has not been that guy. He, if anything, Terry Collins has been a... Um, an older uncle who doesn't know where he is half the time. That's my problem with Terry Collins. Does anybody out there think that Terry Collins can lead the Mets to the next phase of where the organization wants to be? I've asked people that cover nothing but baseball, come, at, come with me with a point along those lines. I beg people to get on the air with me and tell me why they think Terry Collins can be the manager on this team when they move forward to alleged contender status. And not one person in two years has been able to come on the air with me and prove that particular point. They've come on the air with me and tried to avoid the point they have not made that particular point. They've made the point that he's good with the younger players. 
No, he's not. Show me what younger player has developed under Terry Collins and has gotten better. And don't say Matt Harvey and Zach Wheeler because Terry Collins hasn't had a chance to touch them and screw them up yet. Ruben Tejada was one of the guys that Terry Collins was supposed to wave his little hand over and he was going to be the shortstop in the future. Ruben Tejada came into camp last year, 25 pounds overweight, and never ended up getting off the ground in 2013. Ike Davis was supposed to be the power-hitting first baseman that we all dreamed of. Terry Collins waved his hand over him, and now he strikes out every other at-bat. And he's never been that guy he was when he came up. Lucas Duda was supposed to be a power-hitting outfield threat. Well, Terry Collins waved his hand over Lucas Duda and not only made him slower, but made him as good of an outfielder as Todd Hundley. And then he has guys, coming guys, like Wilmer Flores, who should be getting a shot to play every day, and he won't put him on the field because he feels he needs to put slightly above average Daniel Murphy at second base every day, who is never going to be a dynamic ball player. He's a good player to have on your team. He will never, ever, ever be that dynamic ball player that you hope he would be. Wilmer Flores has a chance to be a dynamic baseball player. Well, that is until Terry Collins waves his little hand over him and probably ruins him too. So if you're going to come at me with a Terry Collins argument, and if you have an argument about why I'm wrong about the Mets, hit me on Twitter, at John underscore Corey, at the 209 pod, well, at 209 podcast. Go like my Facebook page and comment on there, Corey Digital. Tell me why I'm wrong, because in two years, complaining about the Mets on the air, Two and a half years, if you want to be fair. Not one person has been able to come on the air with me and tell me why I'm wrong. If you think you could do it now, call into the show, 347-850-8572, Now, Terry Collins aside, and, and don't get me started on, <laughs> on the hierarchy, and I have the air quotes going on that in the front office, you know, now that news came out that Sandy Alderson had a salary cap to play with, but it wasn't from the Wilpons. It was from freaking Bank of America. Only the Mets. Only the Mets can have a salary cap imposed on themselves by a bank. You want to know why the Mets get made fun of nonstop? There's a reason. Don't get me started with this front office that's doing this alleged fantastic job of Sandy Alderson and Paul D. Podesta and all the other idiots that sit up there in flushing and do nothing but look around and laugh at the Mets pay them all to put their collective minds together to do nothing. I don't give them credit on the Zach Wheeler trade. If you listen to me at all, I do not give them credit on the Zach Wheeler trade. It's a trade that fell into their lap 
It's a trade that my five-year-old would have said yes to. The one trade I can give him credit for, if it turns out, if Darno ends up being the catcher here for the next 10 years, and if Syndergaard, who, mind you, it's beginning of spring training throwing, and people in Port St. Lucie are gaga over Noah Syndergaard, but if Syndergaard can come up and be that next guy, along with Wheeler, along with Harvey when he comes back, I can give Sandy Alderson credit for that particular trade. Nothing else he's done has made a difference on this ball club. Nothing. And as we move into 2014 and as full squads get to Florida and Arizona, to get back to the original point, the Mets have competition. The competition in the outfield is simple. And frankly, it's a little surprising, but I don't think it's the worst move in the world to tell Juan Lagares that opening day center field spot is not his. He has to earn it. I have no problem with a professional athlete earning. I have no problem with an athlete on any level having to earn his spot. But let's face it, Juan Lagares should be the starting center fielder for the Mets. Juan Lagares is going to have to have the worst spring training you've ever seen. He's going to have to have a Ruben Tejada type spring training in order to not be the everyday center fielder. This is where things get interesting, and this is why I can't stand Terry Collins. When Terry Collins says things like, well, Eric Young's our best leadoff hitter. So freaking what? So what? I don't care that Eric Young Jr. is the quote-unquote best leadoff hitter on the team. The bottom line is, Eric Young Jr. is a fourth outfielder at best. At best. I think he's a perfect fourth outfielder. I think he's a perfect guy to play any one of those positions for a day or for two days out of a week, or three days out of a week. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But the Mets outfield on opening day, barring any kind of injuries or upsets, is going to be Lagaris in center, Chris Young in right, and Curtis Granderson in left. And let me tell you something. That's the best outfield the Mets have put out there in a very long time. They may strike out a lot, but they will cover some ground at City Field, and boy, oh boy, will they be fun to watch track down some fly balls, and you can include Eric Young in that mix. 
the defense of the Mets outfield is going to be a plus-plus type of thing this year. The infield, well, the infield is pretty simple. Darnell is going to be the catcher. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about that unless he gets hurt for the 20th straight season. The captain will be on third unless he gets hurt for the 23rd straight season. Ruben Sahada is going to have every opportunity this spring to be the shortstop. He's going to have Omar Quintanilla behind him. But if Ruben Sahada is going to be any kind of professional baseball player that wants to be an everyday professional baseball player, he'll win that spot. He's come into camp early. He's come into camp in shape. You hope now he can act like a professional. The right side of the infield is where things get dicey. You have four or five guys for two spots. I'm on record as saying that you should have traded Daniel Murphy last year. You should have traded Daniel Murphy when you had the chance to. You should have traded Daniel Murphy when he showed that he could play a solid second base and hit 300. You've now lost that chance until the middle of this season. Barring injuries, of course. But you have Wilmer Flores, who the Mets have already said they're not going to let him play short. And I have to buy the Mets on this. If they say that Flores isn't able to play short, I'm actually going to buy into that because I don't think he has the body type to play short. But if you want to tell me he could play second base, I'm all in on Wilmer Flores being the everyday second baseman. He has a dynamic bat. If he could be Daniel Murphy type defensively, you're going to have a second baseman who has the potential, and there's that dreaded word, potential. There's two P words that will make you look like an idiot in baseball. One's potential, the other's prospect. Those two words will make you look stupid and get you fired on a professional baseball field. Prospect and potential. Those two words might be two of the seven deadly words on a baseball field. But if I'm Terry Collins, first of all, if I'm Terry Collins, somebody smacked me in the head. But if I'm Terry Collins and I'm meeting with my coaches and I look around and I see this team and you know Daniel Murphy's going to get you around 285 to 300. You know he's going to get you maybe a dozen home runs. I don't think that's too much to ask. 15 stretching for him. I think anywhere between 10 and 12 is legit. He does get to play in Philadelphia a lot. I think that's a legit number for him. I think his defense will be okay, you know. But if I got Wilmer Flores, who can stand out there and play average defense, he has a chance this year, just this year, to get you a 300 average and 20 to 25 home runs. For a team that needs offense, 
boy, let me tell you, I'm, I'm jeopardizing some defense to put Wilmer Flores on the field. I loved what I saw from him last year, and if he's not on the field, I don't know what this team's doing. And then first base, first base is an absolute disaster. You have Lucas Duda, who is probably a first baseman by nature. You have Ike Davis, who is a tremendous defensive first baseman, who has the power in that stick to hit five and drive in 120. The problem is Ike Davis making contact with that stick. If Ike Davis, I don't care about the strikeouts, but when he makes contact, if he can get you 265, if he can get you between 25 and 30 home runs, the RBIs will come. If he can get you those numbers, then boy, oh boy, do you have your first baseman. And then you potentially have a right side of your infield that can get you 50 home runs and around 200 RBIs. And that is not a stretch. This is a Mets team that in the past has had right side of the infield combined for 10 home runs. I don't think Lucas Duda ends up on this team. I think Josh Satin will end up on the team. He will be the right-handed complement either in the outfield or at first base just not dynamic enough to be an everyday ball player. But he is a nice change-up where if you get a tough lefty, you could put him out there, put him at first base, put him in the outfield. This Mets team could legitimately go 72-90. and 90. This Mets team could legitimately go 81 and 81. Is it legitimate that this Mets team could get the 90 to 92? If everything falls into place, they'll be in the mix. I'm just not ready to make a prediction on February 20th for a season that starts in six weeks. I need to see how these players progress in Port St. Lucie, and I need to see if I could put my confidence in this organization to put the right pieces on the field. If that happens, then, ladies and gentlemen, Flushing could be a fun place to be the next six months. At the same time, Flushing could be an absolute nightmare that has been since it's opened. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll talk about the Yankees when I come back. This is the 209 Podcast. 
on blogtalkradio.com and mtrradio.com. The world of running a small business has changed, and traditional mediums used to communicate with your customers have become expensive and ineffective. You know you need a website, a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media sites, and the ability for customers to find you online, but you don't know where to start, and you have limited time. MTR Business has your solution. For about a dollar a day, MTR Business will create a unique new media marketing plan for your business. Also included is radio advertising that targets over 300,000 local listeners each month and website banner ads that we create and run for your business at no additional cost to you. Our team is led by professionals with MBAs and over 60 years of marketing experience that specialize in helping small businesses expand their footprint and grow. MTR Business is your partner for success. Call today for a free, no-obligation consultation. Mention this ad for an additional discount. Stay ahead of your competition and get more customers by calling us at 609-412- 7235. Don't put it off any longer. Hey, don't trust your landscaping to just anybody with a mower. TNZ Landscaping offers a wealth of experience and expertise at the same prices as inexperienced landscapers. That's right, you got to check us out. TNZ Landscaping. That's TNZ as in zebra. Landscaping is the premier full service landscaping company serving the Burlington County, New Jersey area for over 20 years. We have commercial and residential service, including full service lawn care, landscape creation, tree service, and hardscaping. Hey, listen, it's that time of year now. The leaves are starting to come down. Don't break your back. Don't waste your Sunday afternoon outside raking leaves. Call TNZ Landscaping. They'll take care of it for you. TNZLandscaping.com. That's TNZLandscaping.com. Or call 609-332-5533. Hey, don't trust your landscaping to just anybody with a mower. TNZ Landscaping offers a wealth of experience and expertise at the same prices as inexperienced landscapers. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. the 209 podcast blogtalkradio.com mtrradio.com 37 minutes left to play late here on the show take you up to 1130 number to call in 347-850-8572 talking just got done talking Mets go talk a little Yankees some other things in the last 37 minutes or so we'll get to the Yankees now and obviously Derek Jeter's retirement announcement has, A, made us all feel quite old. You know, a lot of this generation of people that use sites like Blog Talk, guys that host on MTR Radio, all they know as baseball fans is that the Yankees are good and Derek Jeter is the leader. And as the core four dwindles away, Derek Jeter is the last of the Mohicans, so to speak. And I'm not going to – I'm not in any way, shape, or form going to disrespect Derek Jeter. 
my hatred for the New York Yankees is almost envy as well. Because when you have a guy like Derek Jeter on your team, it's hard to not be envious of a guy like that. He does everything right on the field, off the field, in the press. He does everything correctly. And when you're in competition with that team and you're a Mets fan and you hate the Yankees, you hate that about him. You would love to see Derek Jeter fall out of a club. You would love to hear a woman talk bad about him. You've never in your life heard any of these things. It's almost like he has contracts. Remember the Dave Chappelle show on Comedy Central where he had the skit about the love contract? It's almost like Derek Jeter has love contracts for all his quote-unquote guests. Because you've never heard a bad word about the man. Everybody loves Derek Jeter. And the one guy to remotely say a bad thing about Derek Jeter was Alex Rodriguez. What does that tell you? That once again shows you that Alex Rodriguez is one of the dumbest people on the planet Earth. I'm glad we don't have to talk about his situation this year again. But in a world where social media is king, where TMZ is always behind you, for Derek Jeter, who has hung out with some high-profile women in his life, for not one person, big or small, popular or unknown, to say a bad word about him off the field in that respect is amazing. In a professional sports world where jealousy and envy and about the spot and about this and that and it's about money and it's about contract and it's about status, you've never heard a bad word come out of anybody's mouth whether it's friend or foe, teammate or competitor. You've never heard a bad word. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. It's an amazing thing to be Derek Jeter and to never, ever make a bad misstep. And we are potentially 162 games away from Derek Jeter's story career to be over. And Derek Jeter might end up being one of the last professional athletes to get viewed like this. And I'm not going to sit here and, and get with the trend and do my Mount Rushmore and all that garbage. I don't think we need my Mount Rushmore of sports athletes. I know I don't even want to think about it, so I'm not going to give you one. But I will say this. Derek Jeter, the way he's been almost blessed in his life, would it surprise you if he walked off the field the final time at Yankee Stadium as a world champion? It can't surprise you. It doesn't matter how the team's set up. It doesn't matter if, the a, if they're the AARP team of the American League 
It doesn't matter if you think they can stay healthy or make the right move or this and that and the other. What you know is that they have Derek Jeter. The baseball gods have shined a big, bright, shiny light all over around him throughout his career. Would it surprise you if we were sitting here end October, beginning November, and he walked off Yankee Stadium for the final time with a trophy in his arms, a victory lap around the Bronx, a ticker tape parade in the Canyon of Heroes, would any of this surprise you? I don't think it should, and I don't think it would. I think it would surprise you if you looked at the Yankees and thought they could win a world championship. I think if you break down their team position by position, it's kind of hard to justify that kind of prediction at the moment. But if you look at the fact that they have Derek freaking Jeter in his final season, man, how do you bet against that? Those are odds that a lot of people can't get past. Those are odds a lot of people can't beat. It shouldn't shock you. It shouldn't surprise you. And it wouldn't be crazy to think that Derek Jeter can't in 2014 end his story career walking off the field with the world championship trophy in hand and the Yankees getting another world championship. As for the rest of the team, I think they're a disaster waiting to happen. I actually, uh, let let me temper my point real quick. When I say what I'm about to say, I don't think that the New York Mets are a better baseball team on the field than the Yankees. What I do think is that the Mets can stay more healthy than the Yankees. I'm not a believer that this old, decrepit team stay healthy enough to make a run. What is Mark Teixeira going to look like coming off of wrist surgery? Brian Roberts at second base, is he going to be able to stay on the field through March? Is he going to make it to opening day? Are they going to put him in bubble wrap and put him at second base? That's the only way you get him on the field for more than 100 games this year. Derek Jeter is an injury concern himself at this point. Is that leg okay? Third base. That ain't Alex Rodriguez over there anymore. Which might not be the worst thing in the world. In the outfield. Beltran's getting old. Can Carlos Beltran who has shown no signs of slowing down, can Carlos Beltran be for the Yankees what they hope he can be? 
can Beltron turn back the clock and be that guy? It remains to be seen. I think Ellsbury is a good signing for center field, but can he stay healthy? Can Soriano keep the ball in play? You're going to have Gardner and Ichiro potentially on the bench. Now, if I'm the Yankees, I let either Beltran or Soriano be the DH personally, and I get one of those two on the field just for defensive reasons. But the Yankees, I'm not confident in this group. CC Sabathia lost probably a small human being body in the offseason. Does that mean he won't gain it all back? Of course he will. Can Michael Pineda finally make a contribution for the New York Yankees? Can Ivan Nova keep on his steady pace? Can Hiroki Kuroda have another nice season in the Yankee pinstripes? There are a lot of questions. Can Tanaka make the adjustment to American pro ball? Can David Robertson be the second coming in the bullpen? There are so many questions for the New York Yankees. I mean, guys, this is not a biased point of view. You can't just look at the names on the roster and think to yourself, okay, no problem. Yankees have all these guys back. You know, they'll go ahead and they'll win big this year. I don't see it. Brian McCann has been injury prone. If you look at every single position on the Yankees, you can have nine players out there on opening day, ten if you include the DH, that at any given time could get hurt. They've all shown themselves to be injury-prone. And they're all getting older. This is not a good recipe. This is a recipe for disaster in the Bronx. Don't see anything that they can do. I truly, I, I just don't, I don't know if the Yankees can compete. The American League, my goodness, the American League is going to be strong. The American League East in particular is going to be very strong. Obviously, you watch Tampa. If Tampa falls out early, will they go ahead and trade David Price? I think that's a big story to watch, and that will be, that will really set in stone the complexion of the, at that particular division. Can the Red Sox have another season like they did last year without Ellsbury? That will be interesting to see. I think Baltimore is better. I think Baltimore adding Abaldo Jimenez, and if they can add Irvin Santana, I think that pitching staff is going to be something to really behold. And I think Baltimore can jump from 85 to maybe 92. Will the Blue Jays have a nice bounce-back season? The darling of 12 months ago, can they bounce back from their 74-win season with guys like Jose Reyes, with R.A. Dickey, 
with Joey Bass in right field. Can this team make a run at it this year when nobody expects them to? The American League East is going to be strong. And then if you look ahead at the wild card, I think Kansas City gets better from that 86 win total. I think Cleveland probably gets a little better or stays about where they are. I think Detroit will be around where they were last year. That's three teams in a way. If you include the American League East, that's potentially six or seven teams in the Yankees' way just in terms of a wild card. And then you bring in the American League West, Oakland, not getting worse. Texas, definitely not getting worse. The Angels, the law of averages state that the Angels have to get better. With that lineup, how do they not get better? Seattle with Cano should be better. I think the Cano signing is terrible for Seattle. I think it's a move that Seattle had to make. But I think when all said and done, and I'm not going to get into the Kevin Long comment, I don't think they're relevant at this point. I think that for you to knock somebody after they're out the door is a little ridiculous. I don't pay any mind to stuff like that. But I don't think Robinson Cano being the it guy in Seattle from a position player standpoint, I don't think he can do anything wrong this year. And I think that will ill effect or have an ill effect on his play in Seattle. I think you'll get a good first six weeks out of him. And then when Seattle falls out of contention and there's nothing to play for, I think you will see the worst of Robbie Cano. And that's a contract that Seattle's going to wish that they had back. But they had to make the move. They had to make the move. They had to make the move. Just like a couple years back when the Mets signed Jason Bay, they had to make that move. I think Seattle's in the same boat here with Cano. I think they're in the same boat on the Nelson Cruz front. I think these are moves that they have to make. But that being said, you look at the Yankees' prospects for this coming season, somebody explain to me how they're making the playoffs. I'll put it out to you. 347-850-8572. 347-850-8572. How are the New York Yankees making the playoffs? I don't see it either. I don't see it either. One thing about this baseball season, there's a lot of things up in the air. I think the American League as a um, as a league is wide open. I look at the, these teams, and you have at least nine or ten teams out of the 15 that could legitimately be in the playoffs. The National League, I don't see as many. I don't like Washington. I, I, I don't like the makeup of that team. I could be wrong. 
a lot of people expect Washington to bounce back in a big way this year. I don't see it. But if you look at the National League East objectively, outside of Atlanta and Washington, who's going to make a jump? Are the Phillies going to make a jump? Are the Mets going to make a jump? You can't right now on February 20th say that they will. In the Central, do you think Pittsburgh is going to win 94 games again? Boy, they'd be hard-pressed to. They lose their one, one of their bats in Marlon Bird. They lose one of their steady and influences on, on the starting pitching staff. And, and A.J. Burnett, yep, I said it, he was a steady and influence. Boy, I have a hard time seeing them get back to 94. I think Cincinnati takes a step forward. But then you have Milwaukee and the Cubs, which I don't expect anything from. And then the West, do you think San Diego can make a jump? I don't. Do you think Colorado can make a jump? I don't. Do you think Arizona can win above 81? I actually don't. I think San Francisco has a better chance of bouncing back than Arizona does. But I just named you five, maybe six teams that could be in the playoff mix. What does that tell you? That tells you somebody from somewhere that we're not talking about or we're not expecting to make a a big play this season is going to jump up into the playoff mix. Will it be the Mets? Will it be the Phillies? Will it be the Brewers or Cubs? Will Pittsburgh be able to sustain their success from last year? Will Arizona take a step forward? Can San Francisco bounce back? Will it be the Padres? The National League, as a story, is a much better league to watch than the American League. The American League is going to be a bunch of bullies just bashing the ball all over the field. One thing you will get from the 209 podcast, you will get a lot of baseball coverage. And you will get a lot of rants about many subjects throughout my time on this show and the other shows I have going on. Uh, Real quickly, let's touch on the Knicks. They win last night in New Orleans. Carmelo Anthony found his game. It's where he left it in New Orleans at All-Star Weekend. 42 points last night. Knicks win. Knicks two and a half back in the eighth spot in the East. They were looking to potentially make some moves. Darren Collison's name was mentioned. Um, a pipe dream would have been Rajon Rondo. They're trying to dangle Raymond Felton and Amon Shumpert to see who they can get. Well, Amon Shumpert got hurt last night. We'll see if that affects any potential trade prospects the Knicks may have. Not a lot of movement expected in the National Basketball Association today at the trade deadline, so we'll see what happens. Steve Blake traded away from the Lakers last night. Lakers who got throttled by James Harden and the Rockets. And let me say one thing. Everybody made a big deal about Dwight Howard going back to Los Angeles last night. Nobody should be making a big deal about Dwight Howard doing anything. I will refer you to go to mtrradio.com slash John Corey and search my article I wrote on Dwayne Howard after the Lakers season was abruptly ended last year called The Dwight Mayor. 
I will refer you to that article, and then you come back to me and tell me why you think he's a good player. Because I think Dwight Howard is an overrated, no good, no talented, no skilled, crap, garbage basketball player. I think he's a tremendous and gifted athlete who's seven feet tall. I do not think on a skill level he is a good basketball player whatsoever, and I'll leave it at that for now. USA Hockey gets back on the ice tomorrow. Semifinal matchup with Canada to see who goes to the gold medal game in Sochi. Here's all you need to know about Sochi. I'm sitting here in Dignitz Ferry, Pennsylvania. I'm surrounded by ice and snow and just blah, just trash weather, slush and sand, and just a mess wherever you go up here. And in Sochi, it's 65 and sunny, and it looks like springtime in the Midwest. What in the hell is going on with the Winter Olympics? My goodness. The American women... will play their Olympic semifinal game against Canada today at noon. So if you want something to watch, you have that going for you. I'm trying to get you a time for United States hockey tomorrow. I believe that's also going to be noon. But regardless, uh, one thing to come out of the Olympics that's a very bad news situation for a local team, and that is the New York Islanders, who have now lost their captain, John Tavares, for the remainder of the regular season due to a torn MCL and meniscus. I'm not going to be that guy that's going to tell you that he shouldn't have been playing in the Olympics. But what I will tell you is it's something that's going to get brought up. The NHLPA has not been thrilled with their players going to the Olympics the past few times. I don't think this is going to be any better. And I don't think this is going to be the – I don't think this is going to be the thing that makes the NHL want to do this four years from now. That is for damn sure. But USA Canada, two times in the semifinals, once today in women's hockey at noon, once tomorrow. Matter of fact, I think the women's game's for gold, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see here. If I'm not mistaken, this is for the gold. Yes, United States, Canada today at noon for the gold medal. I was mistaken before. Gold medal game at noon, United States, Canada today at noon, and then tomorrow, United States, Canada 
to see who goes in to the gold medal game for the men. Going to pull up the time now. God, they make it impossible. The first men's semifinals at 7 a.m. at Sweden versus Finland. And at noon tomorrow is the men's semifinal against Canada. So noon today and noon tomorrow, United States-Canada today in women's gold medal action. Tomorrow, United States-Canada in the Olympic semifinals to see who goes on to the gold medal game for the men. Some things I want to touch on before the show is over. One is this. The St. John's Red Storm, who started off the Big East season this year at 0-5, has gotten themselves to eight and six in the conference. They're third place at the moment. They're eighteen and twelve, I believe, on the season, and they have a very legitimate possibility of going to the NCAA tournament, which would be a big deal for the rebirth of this program. Steve Lavin is healthy. He's back on the bench. He's that consistent force that the Red Storm needs. You might see moving forward the St. John's Red Storm finally take their place in the upper echelon of college basketball. And it's a great thing to see. The other thing about college hoops, last night Syracuse wearing the most ridiculous throwback uniform combination you'll ever see in your entire life, lost at home in overtime to Boston College. Do I think we'll ever see another undefeated college hoops team? I don't. Everything is so magnified in 2014, it's going to be a very difficult task. Syracuse could not get it done. Wichita State looks like they'll be the new number one team in college basketball, and that's a great thing to see. Now, the last nine minutes or so, let me tell you about some, some company business, some family business here regarding the show and what's happening. Foremost, thank you so much for your listenership for the first two episodes. Episode two got more views than episode one. I could not be happier for the numbers I saw considering how this show is promoted and how this show is supposed to be. So thank you to everyone out there who's, who listened. It means a lot, and hopefully you'll keep listening moving forward. I'm trying to see if anybody's listening right now, but I can't really tell. So, <laughs> um, But very... Very, very, very happy. It is greatly appreciated. 
and it makes me want to do this show more and more, and I want to bring it out there for you, and I want to bring it out there for the local audience in the area. Remember the tagline of the show, our teams, our sports, our opinions, the 209 podcast. That's what it's all about. It's about the tri-state area, the Delaware River, Delaware Valley, Port Jervis. I want to hear from all of you all the time. We will touch on scholastic sports like we did at the beginning of the show. We will always touch on the pro sports because they're easy to talk about and they're out there. The difference between myself and other stations out there is I want to give you the platform to give your opinion and let your voice be heard. We have a lot of good people out there with a lot of good opinions. I want to hear from all of you as we move this along. This will officially begin our journey of the weekly program. I still don't have a concrete date that the program will be on. It will definitely not be every Thursday at 10. Don't worry about that. I just didn't want to do a Friday night or a Saturday with all the playoff action and in, in, in play this weekend. So I wanted to get something on the air to preview that. But we'll get a day, we'll get a time, and we'll make it consistent, and we'll make it good. That's for sure. As we move through the summer months, the first announcement is this. Due to the overwhelming response of the initial two episodes of the 209 podcast, and quite frankly due to the fact that MTR Radio, for some reason, likes my shows. I've been with them for almost two years now. It's very important for me to always be on MTR Radio. So I'll be bringing this show to MTR Radio in the future. It probably won't be till the summer. We still have to figure out if it's going to be simulcast with blog talk or if I'm just going to do a straight from, M- from the MTR site. There's a lot to go through, but I would like to keep it on blog talk in some way, shape, or form. I think it's a better setup for my current technology. So beginning this summer, MTR Radio will, at the very least, simulcast the 209 podcast, and all the shows will be available both on the Corey Digital page, on the podcast app for for iTunes, as well as the MTR side of things. They'll be available on the MTR site. They'll be available on the Blog Talk site. They'll be available on Facebook. They'll be available on Twitter. This show will be available at your fingertips. All you got to do is find the site. And we're going to make it very accessible for you. It's going to be available on Podomatic. It's going to be available on aircheck.us, which I haven't posted a show on there in a very long time, and I might want to start doing that again. All because of the overwhelming response of the first couple of shows from all of you out there. I could not be more thankful. But the 209 podcast not only is not going away, it's going to get stronger We're going to get more guests on the show, and we're going to make some things happen. Now, before I get off the air, let me promote an event. The Maureen Fiend Memorial Scholarship event, it is going to be April 12, 2014, at the Erie Trackside down in Port Jervis. We will have more about the event as it gets closer. 
But mark that day on your calendars, April 12th. There will be the second annual Maureen C. Fee Memorial Scholarship Dinner. This year's event will also include a Delaware Valley Boys Basketball Alumni Game. It should be a fun event, a fun weekend. If you want more information about the event, you can email either Sean Fien at Sean.Fien, F-E-A-N, at gmail.com, or Delaware Valley Boys Basketball Coach Chris Holzer at HolzerK at DVSD.org. April 12th, Erie Trackside, Port Jervis. The event will feature an open bar, a buffet dinner, music, raffles, and a silent auction. To purchase tickets, contact Sean Fien or Chris Holzer. More about that coming soon as we will have both gentlemen on the show to help kick the promotion for the event in the high gear. Best of luck to Chris Holzer and his Delaware Valley Warrior basketball team tonight in their playoff game. Best of luck to all the Port Jervis Raider wrestlers going to state. Best of luck to the Port Jervis boys basketball team in their Section 9 tournament run. And best of luck to the Delaware Valley wrestlers. There's a lot of expectation for some Warriors to make some big-time runs this weekend. We will update it all on the Corey Digital Facebook page, tinyurl.com slash Digital, tinyurl.com slash Digital. You can follow the show on Twitter at 209 Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John underscore Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E. That's going to do it for me tonight. But one more announcement, I'll be remiss. Beginning soon, I'm back as one of the hosts of the MTR Morning Throwdown, a show I enjoyed doing over last summer. It's all because Joey Baboots former host of the MTR Morning Show, got a big-time promotion in his professional career. He is going to be the new executive producer of New York Mets Baseball and WOR as they make their trip over there. Could not be happier for a guy that's done nothing but support me the entire time I've known him. Best of luck to Joey. But beginning soon, 10 to 11 slot, MTR Morning Throwdown, I'm back on it. So I'm here and I'm there. And to keep track of everything, check me out. TinyURL.com slash Corey Digital. TinyURL.com slash Corey Digital. Big things happening and more announcements to come. And I could not be happier to do this all for you and for us. For everybody out there listening, whether it's live or recorded, I thank you all for checking into the show today. Once again, I'm John Corey. This has been the 209 Podcast on blogtalkradio.com. If you need information where to find the show, it's simple. blogtalkradio.com slash Corey Digital. Podcast app for iTunes, Corey Digital on there. It'll be on my Facebook page. It'll be on Twitter. The show will be everywhere if you want to listen to it. Download it. Take it with you. That's all for me today. I'll talk to you next week. 
keep track of social media to find out time and place, time and place. Remember, 209 Podcast, our sports, our teams, our opinions. I'll see you next time. Until then, I'm John Corey. And I'm out.